welcome to Season 3 of Return to Truth Podcast. I am your host, Clint Curry. Thank you so very much for joining me today. If this is your first time here with me, thank you, and please allow me to welcome you to the show. If you've listened to us before, I appreciate your continued loyalty to the Bible Truth and this podcast. Please make sure to subscribe to this podcast channel so you can stay up to date on each and every new episode that drops. We are dropping new episodes every Monday at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Unless, of course, I take a little break in between episodes, and if I do, you'll be the first to be notified right here. And of course, if you haven't yet listened to our previous podcast episode, or seasons for that matter, we're on the third one now, then please, please make sure you take some time to go back and give them all a listen. Don't miss out. We have already covered so much at this point. With all of that said, before we begin today's episode, we need to ask God to guide us into a better understanding of His Word. So let's start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we call out to you. We ask, Father, that you help us to understand your word better. Guide us into a better understanding of truth. Help us to realize that we need your word in this world below. Help us to discern what is truth and what is not. Help us not to listen to the world and what their version of truth is, but Lord, instead, open our eyes as we read. Help us to entune our thoughts and our heart with yours. And I pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of today's episode is Proving the Bible, and this is part three of our series. But before we begin, let's go ahead and go back and ask the question once again. The question is, how do we know what was once written is what is written? Let me put that into more of a simple context for you. How do we know what was once written back then, some thousands of years ago, is still what is written today in the very Bible that is available to us today? Furthermore, has it lost all meaning? Has it been altered or changed in any significant way? Well, if you're just joining us, I suggest you go back and catch up on the last episode called Proving the Bible Part 2, so you can follow along. Because in this episode here, we are finally about to answer this question and prove that the very words in the Bible are completely unchanged, even thousands of years later. With that said, let's pick up where we left off. We already spoke a great deal about the Old Testament manuscripts. However, there is so much more that we haven't even touched base on, and time is so short. But let's now turn our attention to the New Testament manuscripts that we have and see what they are telling us. Taking a look at the New Testament and comparing the abundance, we have the confirmation of more than 5,000 Greek manuscripts, each written between about 50 and 100 AD, far more numerous and far more accurate written far closer to the original than any other comparable writings from the ancient world. We can trust the Bible's textual accuracy because of the outstanding number of ancient manuscripts we have, 
It's like the Bible is being validated over and over and over again. For the New Testament alone, as we just stated, there are more than 5,000 Greek manuscripts. But get this, thousands more in Latin and other ancient languages and early translations. Scholars will use great detail in comparing these manuscripts. The sheer quantity of these manuscripts greatly assists scholars in identifying any textual variations and reconstructing what is the original text. We look back at the book, A General Introduction to the Bible, for some guidance as we read through. It says here, Perhaps we can appreciate the wealth of the New Testament manuscript material if we compare it with other manuscripts of non-biblical ancient books. How different is the picture when we turn to the New Testament manuscript materials, not including the thousands of quotations in the Church Fathers? But this is not all. For besides these copies of the Greek New Testament, we have thousands of copies of other translations into various languages made in the early centuries of the Christian era. Although the number of the New Testament manuscripts is overwhelming, the age of some of them enables scholars to see what the New Testament texts look like in the 3rd and even the 2nd centuries AD. Let's take a look at all of the other ancient books we have in comparison. When compared with other ancient texts, such as the works of Homer or Plato, the New Testament's manuscripts' evidence is far superior in both quantity and quality. For example, there are only about 1,900 copies of Homer's Iliad, with the earliest copy dating 500 years after the original. What this tells us is that we have more patterns of a never-changing Bible than we do any other ancient writing. This should tell us something. As we look at a quote from Dr. Dan Wallace, try to remember this. He says, We have more early manuscript evidence about the person of Jesus Christ than we do anyone else in the ancient world, including Julius Caesar and Alexander the Great. So what that tells me is, when we compare the abundance, we can't deny it. It's right there in front of us. So what about variants? How do they play into all of this? Well, let's examine what a variant is for a moment. Because when you look at manuscripts, you're going to run into those. A textual variant is any place among the manuscripts in which there is a variation in wording, including word order, omission, or addition of words. Let's look at number one here. It says most variants are due to spelling differences. These account for roughly 70% of all textual variants. For instance, the Greek language has what is called a movable N or NU. The Greek letter NU or N can be put at the end of a word that comes before a word that starts with a vowel. This is very similar to using A versus AN in English. However, the movable NU or N creates absolutely no difference in meaning. It is so insignificant that most textual critics simply ignore the variants involving a movable NU when transcribing the words of a manuscript. It affects nothing. Number two, many variants are due to word order. In English, it would change the meaning of a sentence a great deal if we rearrange the words. For instance, compare these two sentences, John ate the bear or the bear ate John. 
That's quite a big difference. However, in Greek, the order of the words doesn't change the meaning. Greek is an inflicted language. This means that the nouns and verbs have specific suffixes that show which words are the subject, nominative, and which words are the direct object, accusative. This means the arrangement of the words can change, but meaning remains identical. Indeed, the only change is emphasis, not meaning. So many of our variants fall into this category as well. And number three, almost all variants are very short. In fact, only two variants are longer than two verses. However, when looking at these variants, they do not indicate that the Bible has been changed over time in any substantial or concerning way. In fact, the vast majority of these variations do not alter the core content or overall message or doctrinal teachings of the Bible. Moreover, and this is the best part of all of this, the existence of these numerous manuscripts and variants allows scholars to cross-reference and compare different versions, aiding in the identification of any potential errors along the way. This is a crucial point. While there are minor differences between manuscripts, the overwhelming agreement among these numerous and diverse manuscripts confirms the Bible's message. Each one is further validation that the Bible is unchanged. So think about it like this. Let's say you had 10,000 manuscripts from over a period of 1,000 years. And of those, only 100 had a single missing word. What does this tell us? Well, it weeds out the errors, allowing us to find the original text. It only helps us in the process. While there are indeed variations among the thousands of ancient Bible manuscripts, it actually attests to the painstaking care taken in the transmission of biblical text. Finally, the rigorous methodologies employed by textual critics, scholars who analyze these manuscripts to determine the original text, provide additional confidence in the Bible's textual integrity. They compare all the variant readings and use established principles to judge which reading is the original. Let's look at a quote from the professor Ira M. Price from the book, The Ancestry of Our English Bible. Only 400 of the variants materially affect the sense, and of these, perhaps 50 are of real significance but no essential teaching of the New Testament is greatly affected by them. These 400 variants, they amount to only half of a percent of the New Testament. That's an amazing figure for an ancient document. Even the next oldest document we have, the Iliad, has more variants than that. The Wealth of Manuscripts their close dating to the original, and the meticulous work of the textual critics all combine to assure us that the Bible we read today faithfully represents its original writings. All right, let's go ahead and do a little bit of homework here. Let's find ourselves another manuscript to look at. Let's now search for the Ryland Papyrus. It's number 52. Number 52 is one of my favorite fragments, also known as the St. John's Fragment, it is a fragment from a papyrus codex, the earliest manuscript of a New Testament dated around 100 to 125 AD. 
The front contains part of seven lines from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 31 through 33. And the back contains part of seven lines from verses 37 through 38. This is considered one of the most significant discoveries in the field of biblical studies. The content of P52 only consists of a few verses from the Gospel of John, of course, including a conversation between Jesus and Pontius Pilate during Jesus' trial. The fact that this fragment contains such a pivotal scene demonstrates the early recognition and preservation of important Christian text. Scholars have compared P52 with later copies of the Gospel of John and have found remarkable consistency in the wording, affirming the textual reliability and accuracy of the New Testament. Let's go ahead and read a portion of it and see what it has to say. It says here, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews, and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Does that sound familiar? Kind of does just a little bit, doesn't it? P52, despite its fragmentary nature, offers valuable insights into the early transmission and textual accuracy of the New Testament. It sheds light on the development of early Christianity. It is one of the earliest known fragments of the New Testament. The discovery of the Ryland Papyrus 52 has had a profound impact on the study of early Christianity and the New Testament. This ancient fragment provides valuable insights into the transmission and preservation of Christian text, affirming the reliability and accuracy of the Gospel of John. Now let's turn our attention to another manuscript, the Chester Beatty Papyri. The Chester Beatty Papyri owe their remarkable preservation to the dry climate of Egypt. The papyri were initially written on papyrus, a fragile material that can deteriorate over time in more humid environments. However, the arid conditions of Egypt preserved these ancient texts, enabling their eventual discovery and study. The Chester Beatty Biblical Papyri are a group of early papyrus manuscripts. There are 11 manuscripts in this group seven consisting of portions of Old Testament books, three consisting of portions of the New Testament. Chester Beatty Papyri, page 15, 16, and 47, contains most of the New Testament. P45 contains all four Gospels. It is located in the Chester Beatty Museum near Dublin. Named after Sir Alfred Chester Beatty, are among the most significant discoveries in the realm of biblical and classical studies. This collection, housed in the Chester Beatty Library in Dublin, Ireland, comprises a diverse range of papyri, including biblical text, early Christian writings, and classical work. The Chester Beatty papyri offer a unique glimpse into the cultural, religious, and intellectual landscape of the ancient world, providing valuable insight into the transmission of text, 
and the development of early Christianity. These are a treasure trove of textual information. Scholars have meticulously studied and analyzed these papyri, comparing them with other ancient manuscripts to gain insight into the transmission and variation of text. We see here that it includes portions of the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. By comparing these texts with other copies, later copies, scholars have been able to trace the development and transmission of the New Testament with much greater accuracy. You see, we keep on validating the same thing over and over again, and that is that the Bible is unchanged. We have a pattern of evidence here. We can look back over a long period of time and see that it hasn't changed over thousands of years. Each and every generation, each and every year, new manuscripts, and it continues to go forward as the same text. Let's take a look at one more ancient manuscript. Go ahead and do your Google search now, because this one is called the Bodmir Papyrus. It's a collection of ancient manuscripts that date back around 150 to 200 AD. We see here that P66 contains 104 leaves of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 6 and 11, and fragments of 40 other pages. P72 is the earliest known copy of Jude the earliest known copy of Peter and 2 Peter. P75 contains most of Luke and John, dated between 175 to 25 BC. It contains the earliest known copy of Luke. It was published in 1956, and it was the most important New Testament manuscript publication since the Chester Beatty Papyri. The Bodmir Papyrus is a collection of ancient manuscripts that has significantly contributed to our understanding of early Christianity and the development of the New Testament. Discovered in the mid-20th century, these papyri, named after their collector Martin Bodmer, contain a wide range of text, including portions of the Old and New Testament, also early Christian writings and classical text. The Bodmer papyrus offers a collection of valuable insight into the religious, literary, and cultural landscape of the ancient world. The Bodmir Papyrus collection was discovered in the 1950s and 1960s in Egypt, primarily in the vicinity of Pabu, near the ancient city of Thebes. Martin Bodmir, a Swiss collector and bibliophile, acquired these ancient manuscripts recognizing their historical and cultural importance. The collection consists of over 60 papyri that span a wide chronological range from the 3rd century BC to the 7th century AD. The significance of the Bodmir Papyrus lies in the diverse text it contains. Notably, it includes significant portions of the Old Testament, such as the Greek version of the book of Genesis, the Psalms, and the book of Isaiah. Additionally, It houses early Christian writings, including the Gospel of Luke, the Acts of the Apostles, and the Epistles of Paul. These texts have provided scholars with valuable insight into the textual history and development of the Bible, as well as early Christian beliefs and practices. The Bodmir Papyrus has been subject to extensive textual analysis and scholarly study. Comparative analysis of the biblical text within the collection has allowed scholars to assess the accuracy 
and variation in different manuscript traditions. For example, the Bodmer Papyrus P66 contains the oldest known early complete copy of the Gospel of John, dating back to the early 2nd century AD. You see, comparing these manuscripts with later copies has unveiled the remarkable textual consistency and accuracy of the New Testament. And that's the whole point here. The Bodmer Papyrus collection stands as a testament to the richness and complexity of the ancient world. Through its diverse text, it has significantly contributed to our understanding of early Christianity, the transmission of the biblical text, and the broader cultural context of the time. Okay, let's go ahead and tuck away all of the papyrus. Now that we have researched some extremely old manuscripts and cross-check them back to the Bible, we can begin to answer the question. You see, we have all we need to know right now in order to get the answer. But let's go ahead and ask it again. How do we know what is written is what was written? Because Jewish scholars and scribes preserve Scripture as no other manuscript has ever been preserved before. To keep track, they meticulously counted every letter, every syllable, every word, every sentence, every paragraph. They compared each of these on every page of the original. If they did not match, the copy was thrown out completely. They had to start all over again. You see, there are three main points to all of this. Number one is unchanged. Looking at the manuscripts, the scrolls, the fragments, and comparing them to the scriptures that we have today, it reveals that the Bible is virtually unchanged without a shadow of a doubt. It is clear that the Bible's message and true meaning is still intact and in itself has an unchanging nature. Number two, quantity. We have more manuscripts than any other ancient text in history. This allows scholars to compare, scrutinize, and analyze each and every one to the other, allowing for a glimpse into exactly what was being written from the original text itself, filtering out each variant, allowing the unchanged word of truth to shine through. It was through the help of those like Tichendorf, Sir Alfred Chester Beatty, Martin Bodmer, and others that we were able to see in abundance what exactly was being written way back then. And number three, accuracy. We can now see through the history of the Essenes, Jews, scribes, and scholars of the ancient text that this was indeed their life blood. It was their passion, their way of life. They lived and breathed the work that they performed. They weren't just writing a journal. It was so much more than that. In closing, has the Bible lost all of its meaning? Has it been unchanged so much that we don't know what was once written? How do we know what is written is what was written? I think we can finally answer the question and safely say that the Bible text is just as accurate today as it was thousands of years ago. We've seen the trail We've seen that pattern of evidence. We've validated over and over and over again through the extensive manuscripts that we have. You see, we have more evidence to prove it than we do any other publication. But more than that, we can see that this was the lifeblood of these writers and the scribes 
They knew exactly what they had. They had the Word of God in written form. They knew just how important these words were. So they knew they had to get them right. So much so that many, many died for it. And that is the key point. If you were willing to die for these writings, then you must have known that these writings were the written word of God. And if that is the case, then you would do all you could to preserve it forever. So my question is for you. What are you doing with yours? Do you know just how important it is to you? Do you realize what you have? I want to end on two verses from the book of Psalms. It says here, But you, God, remain the same, and your years will never end. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. That's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We have so much more coming your way. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Just search the name Return to Truth and look for the logo. Feel free to drop us a Bible question and we will answer it here on the show. You can also leave a comment or even request a shout out. You can find Return to Truth on many different podcast apps. Just search Return to Truth and look for the logo. Make sure to follow this podcast channel on any of those apps or websites to stay up to date and don't forget to comment. Don't forget to rate because I want to hear from you. And please, make sure you share this podcast as much as you can. Okay, if you made it this far, remember to stay tuned for our next episode as we return to truth.